Hey guys, welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. It's Liz Kelly, host of Tea Time. Exciting news happening across the podcast network. Your favorite celebrity and pop culture podcasts are moving out of Channel 33 and into their very own feed called Ringer Dish. On Ringer Dish, you can still listen to Jam Session on Wednesdays and Tea Time on Fridays, and we'll be launching a brand new show that'll publish every Monday, starting with a deep dive on JLo and Ben Affleck's infamous relationship hosted by Amanda Dobbins and Juliet Littman. So to hear more about the royal family and our current celebrity obsessions, subscribe to Ringer Dish on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Trey Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening, you're listening to this. You're to, listening to. And you are listening to. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening, you're listening to, to the Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host, David Shoemaker. We're going to jump right in. We got the Brian Campbell of CBS Sports coming up a little bit. We got me and my Hill producer, Jim, running through the Super Showdown card. I know you're excited, but first, calling into the mask phone. It's Kazim's, guys. He's back. Real life Kaz. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm great, man. How you living, bro? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, this is one of those weird yeah, weeks. sound good. Yeah, well, this is one of those weird weeks where I'm excited to talk about wrestling, but it's like, you know, there's not, I don't, I don't, I'm not like desperate to make predictions for Super Showdown. And, you know, <laughs> we kind of went through, I mean, we just, I think every, I feel like all my friends are still talking about John Moxley. And I wanted to talk to you specifically about this. Uh, we can talk about whatever you want, but, okay. you know, you're somebody who used to work there. You were a writer, producer for WWE for a minute, uh, for about a year, actually. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, you got to see firsthand some of the, how the creative process works. And also, I'm sure, I know, because you're, you're you know, close with some of the talent there. You got to see some of the frustrations that, that, that folks backstage would have with the way that the process mm-hmm. worked for the wrestlers. Um, you know, I was saying, I've been, I've been, you know, there's a lot of people who I've talked to, and, and, and I'll just let you have the floor in a sec, but I, a lot of people I talked to were like, listen, this is a billion dollar publicly traded company. It's not, you know, backyard wrestling. It's not an indie show. If Vince, Vince should be steering the ship. It should be going exactly the way he wants to go. And, and, and I'm kind of conflicted because I see the logic to that, but I also think pro wrestlers, and I said this last week, pro wrestlers at their core are creatives, you know, like they built them, they, they made their careers by creating these personas and to have, yeah. and to have someone like Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley back there, getting little to no creative input. I mean, he get, probably gets as much as anybody else would be my guess, but his enti- all of his energy was like shooting down the worst of the ideas. I mean, mm-hmm. how does this, how is this process supposed to allow people to flourish? Now, um, yeah, I mean, like the process is definitely challenging. That was definitely one of the, <laughs> that was definitely one of the things that, uh, that, that, that was really hard about working there was that, um, you know, anybody, anybody will tell you man like when you get that job you think okay especially if you're a lifelong fan i know exactly what i would do just to make this fun to make this entertaining or whatever and there's so there are a lot of 
there are a lot of hurdles that you got to clear to uh, kind of, you know, get some get some uh, stuff out there. And a lot of the times, man, you're just kind of like trying to just get, get a show done, trying to get stuff on TV. And, um, you know, I, I saw, I didn't get to, to, to listen to the entire uh, Talk of Jericho interview, but I, I got clips, I read some excerpts. And, you know, John definitely has, has his, He's he's true. He's right. I mean, like there was definitely some stuff that he was uh, he might have been a little too harsh about when it came to like you know direct writers. I never worked directly with John, but I definitely am friends with people that he worked with. That you know he you know did as much uh, of his stuff with when he first came back uh, this year. And um, as far as like the Vince stuff, as far as like getting stuff changed and having to go to him to you know get stuff cleared, like yeah. Yeah, that's that's he's one hundred percent on the money with that one. But um, that would frustrate anybody. That would frustrate anybody. Like we're all, you know, creatives in our own way, and we all kind of have that thing that we gotta we have about ourselves. That's kind of like an ego thing where you know we gotta get over that to uh, you know work in the team effort. And um, you know, it's it's a team effort up until you're the talent and like you're the person who has to actually go out and perform and say these type of things. So I 100% feel John on that. I totally understand where he's coming from. Um, but yeah, like it's, 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 it's a difficult thing. It's, it, it could definitely be creatively stifling at times, you know, but I said this on a, on a past interview, but he was definitely a guy who I've personally seen take shit and turn it into sugar just because he's, you know, he's an incredibly talented, creative, a incredibly talented performer. Um, clearly because he, he did everything that was to do at WWE. He was the top guy over there. And, um, you know, he, it was, it was, it was definitely, it's definitely a difficult place for a guy like him who pretty much made his name on his own, you know, in, in the independent circuit, in, you know, where, you know, all the places that he wrestled at. So, um, yeah, man, I, he, he definitely has a point. He definitely has a, a, a gripe that uh, is, is, is logical and understandable if you were in the trenches with him like that. So uh, I've, I've had my own certain gripes as far as like getting some stuff creatively through the grapevine and through those walls of, uh, you know, getting to TV. But like you said, it's a publicly traded company. It's a billion-dollar company, and the guy who's making it is – not only at the top of the food chain, but he's the guy who makes sure what goes on TV goes through his lunch first. And, you know, a lot of people say this, but it's true. Like, it's, it's Vince's sandbox, and we're just allowed to play in it sometimes. <laughs> That's really all it is. And thankfully, right now, wrestling's in such a really healthy place where a guy like him, who's built a huge name for himself, can go and not just recreate himself, but do everything he's doing independently and, you know, just be who he is and who he always thought he could be. And, you know, good, good for him, man. I saw his I saw his match with Juice Robinson this morning, and I'm just like, yeah, he was always capable of that. <laughs> like, yeah. You see his, his his videos and the stuff that he's put out, and it's like, it's fucking dope, man. Like, and, you know, I'm... I'm I'm always I've always been a fan of his man. He's one of the guys I really wants to work with. I didn't get a chance to while I was over there, like not on the on the big level, but like I was always a fan of his. So I, I definitely get what he's saying. He definitely has a gripe that uh, is understandable, and um, you know, it is what it is when, when it comes to that. I guess. 
Yeah, I guess that's true. What what was your what was your take on uh on Double or Nothing? Since we're we're, we're not too far removed from that. No, no, no. I thought Double or Nothing was fun, man. I thought it was really fun. Um, I, I thought it started off a little slowly, but like the big matches really delivered. I loved the Cody and Dustin match. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought you know D and I thought John's uh, involvement in the main event was fucking dope. I thought the battle royal was fun. Uh, it's it's fun, man. Like it's a fun town to be a pro a pro wrestling fan, or or even being in the fucking the the, the ether of pro wrestling right now because there's so many interesting things going on. And AW they they looked apart. The that was the best part. That was the one thing that I was looking for throughout the the entire show. Like, yo, do they look apart? The they look the part of a big time. Uh, alternative i wouldn't say competitor yet because you know they're not putting on a weekly show every week yet but uh they look the part of an alternative where hey if i don't like what i'm watching on raw am i gonna flip, flip my channel to this and it's like if they can pull off something close to that every week the answer is a, a, a very big yes very big yes they got the talent to do it they got the names to do it they got a lot of really really smart people behind mm -hmm. the scenes making some really smart calls and, um, you know, that's the ears perked up for a lot of people. I mean, just personally, just knowing people, I know those ears perked up after uh, double or nothing and seeing what they were able to do. And, uh, you know, I was in Vegas. I was there for a uh, star cast doing, um, uh, wrestling with stereotype stereotypes, um, panel with, uh, Marty Bell and Willie Mack and Andreas Hale and those guys. And, um, you know, they took over the city much like a WrestleMania would or any big WWE event would. And that's, and that's a big, that's a big weekend in Las Vegas, Memorial Day weekend, you know, like there's so many things going on and you couldn't go anywhere without seeing somebody in a, in the AEW merch or any type <laughs> of wrestling shirt. So they for sure looked the part and I'm, I'm excited, man. Like I love, I've always said that good wrestling anywhere is good for wrestling everywhere. So I'm, I'm happy for them and I hope it does well. Do you, I mean, you were on the inside of the, you know, of, of WWE for a while. Do you think that, that, that there's the opportunity for WWE to, I mean, for, for, for that sort of like, you know, good for wrestling moment to trickle down to the WWE product? I mean, people keep, people keep saying they, you know, are, are waiting for this to be like the Monday Night Wars where the, where WWE realizes they got to change what's, you know, change their way of doing things. Do you think that's even possible in 2019? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know if necessarily, I don't even think they really need to change the way they do things per se, but I do think them be, they're having a, uh, a, a viable alternative helps spread the talent ratio out. Um, and that's what I always thought was the biggest problem over there. There was so much talent and not enough time to go around to really develop these characters and these stories where you got to get like 40 people on TV somehow, some way, some, some story where yeah. if that dilutes a little bit and like more people are going to different places and you know, there's, there's, you know, there's new Japan, there's ring of honor, there's AW, there's MLW, there's, there's all these places now. So, um, and still, you know what I mean? Like still there's so many people backstage that you don't even get to see on TV that are extremely talented. And that's what I always thought the biggest problem was, man. Like when there's, so many people that you're trying to get on TV, it's really hard to tell a good story um, week to week. And I think, you know, I think AEW popping off or, you know, all these other uh, wrestling promotions popping off and just kind of like the, 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 the amoeba effect of all that is really 
going to help WWE. I think it's going to re- help wrestling in general. I think we're kind of sitting on the beginning of a of a new pro wrestling boom, kind of like the late '90s, early 2000s, where you know you got big money being spent, you got big TV deals being cut, you got a lot of these really good things happening for pro wrestlers, and if that's good for the talent, and that's good for the fans as well. If you had, if and I'm sure you've been asked this before. If you could change the way, if you could change WWE, I'm not talking about the creative process or any of that stuff, or maybe that's part of it, but just the structure of it. Like, if you could, to, to, to get TV time, to get screen time for all of the talent that's there, that's not getting screen time, what's the move? To have a hard brand split? Do they need to add another show? Do they need to have, do they, do they need to, I mean, what is it? Just limit the amount of screen time that the top guys get? I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you make time for everybody and make it worthwhile? I mean, if it was up to me, um, I would I would just try and bring it. I would just try and bring these storylines into 2019, man. Like, I think the stories being told need to be a little bit more modern. I think not just in in the content, but the way they're delivered. And uh, WWE does that to a, to an extent, as far as like you know social media and stuff like that. But you know, a lot of times, you know, they it, it's. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze for the talent themselves to really commit to themselves 24-7 like that and um, be able to tell stories throughout throughout the week, throughout the hours, throughout the day. And, um, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not 1999 anymore where, like, something happens on Monday and Tuesday or Thursday and we don't see those guys again for another week, man. Like, we're in a generation that consumes so much content all the time that you're really just here today and gone tomorrow when it comes to, um, you know, watching or, or listening to anything. And, uh, if you're not, if you're not keeping up with that constant need for content absorbers to take and take and take, then eventually they're going to kind of forget about you, man. Like look at everything in the NBA. Like if you watch the NBA, 40% of what's entertaining about it has nothing to do with what happens on the basketball court. Like, there's Lakers drama, there's free agent talk, there's all this other shit that, you know, has nothing to do with what happens within the ring. And that's because, yeah, it's real life, and yes, this is always a story, but, you know, WWE and pro wrestling in general is in a different, um, they play in a different ball game. So, um, I just think they just gotta, if I was in WWE, I would just kind of really, really, uh, I would really do my best to make storylines a little bit more modern, a little bit more um, realistic, like just things that happen, man. Like you don't need to tell so much of a story to get people to fight each other. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just got to fight. Sometimes that's your job. And like, you know, you can, you know, create ranking systems or whatever the fuck it is. But like not, I, I know People love storylines, but a lot of times, not everything needs that much of a story. You know, like, I almost think you got to scale back a little bit and get people invested in these people when they're not in the ring, when they're not on TV, you know? And a lot of guys do that really well. The Young Bucks did that incredibly well. Being the elite is something that is on all the time, you know? Like, that, they're never not in character, you know? They're never not working on some shit like and there's talent in WWE that does that really well as well you know like there's people like R-Truth he's oh that 24-7 title say what you want about it and yeah. the way it looks that motherfucker is entertaining as hell he's making that thing entertaining he's making that into some good TV now and he's somebody who fully commits into everything 
So, um, you know, that's that's just kind of what I would I would probably add to that, man. Like, I would take a lot of those things that people um, want to do with their uh, with their talent and their and their content, and just you know, kind of make it more, you know, make people just invest a little bit more. And I get it. A lot of times, it's not worth the squeeze for talent because, yeah, like sometimes they got families, they got real lives that they got to attend to when they're not being professional wrestlers. So I get why that doesn't happen, but you know, it's it's uh, it's a little. I don't know if I if I knew the way to, to change WWE, I'd probably be a billionaire myself. So we'll see. <laughs> who of the who who of the uh, one more? This last question, and I'll let you get out of here. But who of the of the, of the mm-hmm. people who are on the roster right now? You know, I mean, the, the, I guess the, the complaint of, of John Moxley and, of you know, a lot of other people that you hear about is that they're not getting to kind of live up to their full potential. Mm-hmm. Who on the roster right now do you think is close, like, is on the top tier of living up to their potential? Like, who's getting, who is out, out there, like, who's closest to 100? Like, what is it? Is it Seth Rollins? Is it is it Kofi right now, uh, freshly back from his tour of Ghana? Uh, like who, mm. who, who, who do you think is Becky Lynch? Another guy. I mean, who do you think is up there? Who's like really just like hitting the, who, who's being allowed to find their peak. Uh, it's definitely Kofi. It's definitely Kofi. I think of all the things that people are saying, what's wrong with the WWE product or whatever, like the way that they have built Kofi and made him important and make everything he's doing important, whether it's him going to Ghana whether it's him defending the title every time he's on TV, whether it's him being on Raw, like every time he pops up on Raw, those it's, they get legit, legitimate, like great reactions. Like still to this day, like the WrestleMania Hangover hasn't hit yet. Like he's still, you know, he's the first pure babyface WWE white beat babyface champion that we've had in a long, long time. That you know. It's not even cool to boo him, you know. Like I feel like everybody gets to a point where, like, you got your babyface white meat champion, and like you know, you got your John Cena's, where eventually it became cool to boo him, or it became cool to boo Roman Reigns, or it became mm-hmm. cool to boo, you know, those type of guys. But the way they're they're taking care of Kofi right now is, is incredible, and I think you know he's a guy who's just just reaching his potential, man, because he's a fully developed character now. Like, he's not just the dancing guy. He's not just the Jamaican guy. He's not just the fucking pancake guy. Like, you've seen him be a serious competitor. You've seen his family. You've seen him go to Ghana. You've seen him take L's. You've seen him fight and fucking, you know, have to really battle back from Elimination Chamber and all the shit that Vince threw in his way, like, and be serious and still be entertaining, man. Like, and that's the only thing that really... I can see why people get fucking frustrated. Like a lot of these guys are fully developed characters. And I think Kofi is one of the more fully developed guys um, out there right now. And he happens to be the WWE champion. So he's a, uh, he's a guy who's definitely killing it right now. Um, so I, I, I take it from, from what you said that it's probably a hundred percent certainty that Brock Lesnar is going to take the title from him on Friday. <laughs> yeah, I, I can totally see that. I can totally <laughs> see that. Uh, but nah, I mean, who knows? Who knows, man? I actually, the funny thing is, I'm actually enjoying Brock shit right now. The fucking Brock party and the boombox shit, and then coming out dancing and just fucking with people. Like, he's such a good heel. And you can kind of tell, like, he's kind of like getting re engaged into what he's doing as a character and, you know, just really having fun with it. Like, you know, I think I, I'm I'm enjoying the Brock shirt right now. Like the fucking 
the dreadful inevitability of him becoming champion or him not cashing in and not winning the title. Like, there's a lot of intrigue over there. So I kind of like what they're doing with Brock. I may be, I may be alone in that boat, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, man, I am too, actually. I mean, but it's, it's, there's a whole lot of uncertainty out there. And, and, uh, well, I guess we'll see what happens on Friday. We'll see what, we'll see, we'll see which way they go. I hope that we get, you know, I hope they figure out little ways to maybe have a little bit of a more compelling show over the coming weeks and months because, uh, you know, right now it just seems a little bit like a downer. Maybe there's just too much other stuff circling around and it's easy to say that. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you of for course, your, man, thank you for your special insight. Uh, what do you, what do you want to plug? Um, man, you can check out flagrant too. Every Monday, every uh, Tuesday and Friday, you can check out the Kaz and Vic show on slam online and anywhere podcasts are available. You can, um, check me out. You can download my app station head on the app store as well. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks again. Thank you for your special, uh, for your insight and uh, and your wonderful takes. I will talk to you really soon, man. Appreciate you, man. Take it easy. All right, later, man. Later. All right, thanks to Kaz. We got Brian Campbell waiting on the phone right now. Before we get to him, let's take a quick break. Finding a new job is a lot of work. What if you had your own personal recruiter to help you find a better job? Now, ZipRecruiter's technology can do that for you. Just download the ZipRecruiter job search app, let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in, and its technology starts doing the work. The ZipRecruiter app finds jobs you'll like and puts your profile in front of employers who may be looking for someone like you. If an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know, so if you're interested in the job, you can apply. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job search app. Mask Man Show listeners should download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today and let the power of technology work for you. Don't wait. Do it right now. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. I am joined on the mask phone with the one and only the Brian Campbell of CBS Sports, wrestling connoisseur, editor uh, of Great Esteem. How are you doing, Brian? I'm fired up as always. What a hey, shoemaker. What a time to be a wrestling fan. All jokes yes. aside about the indie revolution and all that, my loins are on fire right now. Well, that's something I always want to hear when I'm talking to somebody for the first time in a little while. The um, we, There's a lot going on. I mean, it's... it's listen, everybody knows the WWE... This is a WWE-centric podcast, and it will continue to be for sure. I'm always interested when somebody takes a step away, right? I mean, I was... Like, I remember... Uh, I remember when Chris Hero left WWE the first time. I think I wrote about it for The Ringer. Um, it was just like so, or maybe that was back at Grantland, but it, it was it was just so interesting to watch somebody just sort of, you know, the story follows the wrestler. You know, we're, we're, we, we, we like the way that stories are told. We all watch wrestling for the way they tell the stories. But, mo- but sometimes those stories exist on a different level than just like the printed page. And this is one of those times where the greatest story in wrestling is Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley, walking away, uh, getting burnt out with WWE, turning up on this AEW pay-per-view, dropping this giant, you know, diss track on Jericho's podcast. And then uh, the biggest news as we hit record right now is that he just beat Juice Robinson for the IWGP US title over in New Japan, his first match post-WWE. How exciting is all this to you? It's insanely exciting. Because 
God, we love WWE. We all do podcasts which focus largely on WWE, but we are insanely frustrated at WWE's processes, which have, in our eyes, even when it's really good, they will just suffocate the potential of how large it can go. And those large moments, when, when you literally raise the roof of expectations that keep you as, as a fan, that make you as a fan, they're landmarks in your life. The, the day of the Shield debuted, Punch pipe bomb. Uh, Paul Orndorff on the phone, angry at Hulk Hogan because he can't get him on the line. Damn overstep window. There are moments that it just goes above ten on the entertainment scale. But with WWE proper, they don't let it get above about a seven and a half lately. So there's certain members of that universe, if you will, that we know could 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 do so much more in a different creative system. And I'm not here to regurgitate everything John Moxley said on the Chris Jericho podcast, although that are, those were many things we assumed for so long that were possibly the problem inside the walls of WWE. So how many times, David Shoemaker, have you watched the G1 or have you seen something that wasn't WWE or even watched NXT and said to yourself, man, what if we could grab a Seth Rollins, uh, a Gina, uh, I'm sorry, a, a uh, Bill Ziggler, a Buddy Murphy, for crap's sake, and take the training wheels off and say, go out there and don't script yourself and figure out, like Steve Austin said, how to get your regular personality up to 12, and then you can find out how great you can be. I never would have guessed that it would have been Dean Ambrose who was the man for this type of type of uh, Shawshank redemption, if you will. But he, just this morning, today when I was eating my cereal, showed <laughs> us a new level of who he could be. And it's refreshing, and it kicked me right in the damn feel hole. Because he was acting, acting like Stan Hansen, and then he was just kicking some ass and hard-wearing people. And I am so damn fired up. I want the whole world to taste like this. You know what I mean? A shoe, you go on a cruise. After about the fourth day, all the meals start to taste the same. I'm sick of the Vince flavor. Give me a wrist. I'm going to rub it on my gum as soon as I hang up this call. <laughs> Uh, it's a little bit alarming, but I think totally right. Totally right. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, um, I mean, it's just really stunning how, how kind of right this all feels, you know, how easily it's going down. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the, you know, I mean, there's been a lot, like I said, there've been other examples of this before. Um, you know, we all pay pretty close attention or we're all paying attention to whatever, you know, Chris Jericho has done in new Japan and, and over the years. And, um, you know, we and and I think that in general, there's there's a you know our eyes are on non WWE product uh, more than they've ever been. Uh, but you're right, WWE you know steers the calendar, and uh, it, I mean, there's the names that you mentioned: Buddy Murphy, Dolph Ziggler. I mean, it would be it it would be really nice if WWE. Well, I was I mean I don't I don't even know we I mean forever we fantasy booked. Should there be an you know should they should they have more of a territorial system in their development? Uh, I mean, in their developmental system, should there be just, you know, some ways to get guys to get people over? If you look at just like the mid card, I saw somebody like write out the, like just the, the mid card of Raw. If you look at the people who are like not getting who are, you know, or, or below the main event on Raw, there's an entire promotion there, you know, and yeah. these people aren't well, sure. and with you know and in I the world. Tweet every week. I used to tweet every week. Hashtag free Tyler Breeze. Did you see Kyler Breeze on Saturday yeah. night opposite Velveteen Dream? It reminded you of what all of those guys are capable of. Yeah. 
Yeah, it does. I mean, it's 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 exactly right. And I, I mean, Tyler Breeze is a guy who who makes a lot of sense as sort of an NXT, you know, as a, as a as a permanent fixture in NXT. Um, you know, I mean, the flip side. I mean, you can also look at his old partner Fandango and wonder why they never found a place for him in the you know on a, in a more legitimate space or more you know top of the closer to the top of the card on the main roster. Um, there's just for one thing. There's never enough room, and especially in the wild card era, there's even like there's even more of the oxygen is getting sucked out by, you know, the very very top of the card, and you know, I'm not saying. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why they do it, and it's not a, it's not just a, a, just an inherently stupid decision. But you know, when the top of your card is Roman Reigns and Shane McMahon. Um, and Brock Lesnar. I mean, when those when those people are up there, it's definitely going to kind of put a damper on things. You know, it's not it's not like Stone Cold driving into every show in a four by four or whatever. I mean, this is I don't know. I mean, I, it just it just seems like there's there's a lot of opportunities for uh, that, that they're just not finding a spot for right now, and 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 that's personified at the moment in our man John Moxley. Now, I got to just ask you because. My heel producer Jim was ranting about this before we hit record. How did you feel about John Moxley and the tights on uh, in in New Japan? Yeah, it, it wasn't what I would have ordered for him, and yes, visually it it was awkward at first. But you know, in the end, look, I pop for flashy rappers. I could have a candy on the store shelf that I know I don't like, but if they put some like tropical colors and change their brand, I'm probably gonna buy it once you buy it. <laughs> with what's inside that matters, and again. When Dean Moxley, Ambrose, Johnny, Be Good comes out and wrestles like that and hardways Juice Robinson open and gives him the double Austin middle finger and is pushing fans and slapping young boys and wrestling like that, that was a... Okay, people think I'm crazy. The mess this morning with Juice Robinson, if you haven't gone on an NJPW world, watch it, okay? I think for the style it was, which was a raw style, it wasn't a NJPW seven-star match. It wasn't a NJPW Will Ospreay, let me see if I can paralyze myself match. It was just a damn wall. Like we saw in the uh, 80s and 90s and the yeah. 50s and 60s if we talked to the old It was almost like a five-star brawl because every little thing mattered. In the shorts, yeah, it's weird. But if you tell me I never have to see him in a gym in a white scooter, I never have to see him do that weird thing where he puts his head under the ropes and then bounces back and hits the lariat, get rid of that crap. This is the real man. I'll pop for it, brother. Yeah, man. I mean, everything just felt a little bit tighter and a little bit more, uh, just a little bit more legit. You know, I mean, even the DDT that he, the dirty deeds. I don't know what they're calling it now, but and then he did the elevated version when the first one didn't work. I mean, they both the first. I mean, it, it all just looked a little bit more snug, a little bit more legit. And listen, I I, I was emailing with uh, with Jonathan Bartlett, who was on the show last week today, because he was talking about how much he hates the short boots that Ambrose was wearing. Uh, a lot of comments on this outfit. But if you would t- if you would ask me yesterday or, or if you had asked me before i saw it if, if you told me what he was wearing i would have said no hell no get that away from me and then i turned it on and i was like you know what this looks all right this i can get used to this i mean it helped it it was his first match and it was in japan i mean it was for new japan and it and it had a little bit of the you know a little bit of a vibe of him kind of hewing towards a more you know a more traditional presentation um you know the kind of the way that you got to wear white to play at Wimbledon. You know, I mean that that was sort of the way I, I I don't know if that was the intention, but you could definitely read that into it. And uh, but I thought, I mean, I thought he looked great, and I thought that it was it just made everything feel 
I don't know, just made everything feel different, and that's got to be what you're going for if you're him. Yeah, it felt like a real fight. It, 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 to be honest with you, it felt like a real fight, and that's and look, you can like different kinds of beer, you can like different kinds of wrestling. But for me, David Shoemaker in 2019, I need that. That's how I want my wrestling. I want fights. They're fake, but I don't. I want to tell myself they're not fake. I don't need Titantrons and merch and all the other stuff. If that's what gets you in the building, that's fine. Monday night on USA and coming soon Friday night on Fox. <laughs> that's where you can see if you that stuff. But I'll be watching NJPW on a green stream. And if you even watch Call of X, Saturday Night's presentation of NXT TakeOver 25 was as stripped down, bare bones, take the lights off of the crowd and make it about the two men inside that ring. What's old is new again, David Shoemaker. There's only yep. one geriatric fellow who did not get the email because he doesn't know what email is, brother. Well, I don't. I mean, I watch Raw. I watched Raw this week for the first, I mean, the, the, my first watch through was on the Hulu uh, cut and there was like literally no, I mean, almost literally no wrestling on the entire show. It was just promos and a couple of brawls and there was one match. They didn't even manage to get Cesaro versus Ricochet on there, which is just sort of mind boggling. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly an entirely different thing. Now, before we, before, before we make it sound like WWE is not putting out any great wrestling product, we have to mention Adam Cole beat Johnny Gargano this weekend to for the NXT Championship in what was one of the I mean it's he we over it sounds like we're overblowing it every time NXT does it has a stage to take over this is one of the great matches of the modern era um we've come to expect nothing less from Johnny Gargano and and Adam Cole for that matter what did what what was your are you excited about the Adam Cole era sad about the end of the or the potential end of the Johnny Gargano era and and just what are your general takeaways from uh from takeover my takeover my takeaways are this like I couldn't be more excited about the indies about double or nothing I thought that was a historic change a marker in the sand one of the better shows I've ever seen and yet NXT takeover 25 in freaking Bridgeport Connecticut of all places was the greatest wrestling show of 2019 thus far the yeah. fact that in this overblown era of nine-hour WrestleManias and everybody's got to get on the card, the fact that Trips is putting out five-match cards with the dimmed house lights and making every match matter, it's just amazing. He's setting a stage for moments like this to happen. What type of moment? Colin Gargano resetting the star scale for what's possible in a WWE-inspired match. And lifting not only the beginning of the Adam Cole Bebe era, which we've needed in NXT, I need that man to be the face of NXT for at least a full year. Do not go to high school, Billy. Stay there, Adam. That's where you belong. But I think <laughs> even bigger than that story is the Johnny Gargano story. This guy, Dave, who's five foot nothing, who doesn't do crazy aerial moves, who can't really talk that well, who is really like warning track power in every category, if that. But the sum of his parts makes freaking classic against every single person he shares the ring with. I keep on working top five best wrestlers in the world list in the front lobes of my brain at all times. Typically, all five of those spots are taken by people who are employed in Japan most of the time. Come at me if you disagree, Dave. I'm a man. I'm 40. Johnny Gargano just entered that conversation. Uh, convince me otherwise. Yeah, I mean, there comes a point where you're, where you're trying to figure out which of his takeover main events is better, how to rank them against each other, and you just realize that, like, it's just this guy putting on epic matches. I mean, this is like a man composing a symphony over the span of 18 months. Um, and, and 
you know, just every every different every tune, every movement is just like it, they're all a little bit different, but they're all works of art. And he's he's, I mean, I mean, words fail when you when you when you try to talk about uh, what Johnny Takeover has done. You know, when they were doing what was that? I was watching something on the network about the uh, I don't know if it was the um, whatever the behind the scenes the performance center thing, but they had him doing a whole bunch of media in Cleveland and and. Uh, you know, just around, just around doing all kinds of different stuff. And I don't know if that meant that that was his kind of victory lap and they're moving off of him or whatever. I, I know, I mean, obviously he's going to be central to the product there for a while or until they decide to put him on the main roster. And now it's gotten to the point where I just feel like, like let him stay on in, in NXT forever. You know, let him yeah. be, let him be in NXT until the end of time because first of all, he's got plenty of stories to tell. You know, I mean, they can just, they can just reset Champa. I mean, Gargano Champa as many times as they want. And I think everybody will be happy. Um, but I mean, he's, j I just don't think that there's, I, I just, I just can't imagine that anything, you know, good's going to come of him being on the main roster. That said, you can't count this guy out. You can't, I mean, he, he is the, he is a legit underdog story and he will continue to fight his way to the top. But that's such a, the NXT system and structure and foundation is so perfect to mask whatever faults he actually does have and yeah. then maximize everything else. And it's really no different than basketball. We love college basketball heroes. We love the Jimmer Fredettes, the Miles Simon, these guys that had, for, for a hot second, where everything in college basketball on the, you know, with slower competition against elite age. These guys were both for the NBA. Adam Morrison, never going to make it in the NBA. <laughs> but you can't stay in college forever. I think that we, it's 2019 now. We've adapted. It's not 1988 with the big man era. I don't think Danny Gargano works in the main roster that arena presentation of a big man style. But again, the theme of this conversation and me cutting these awkward and weird promos on you, Dave, is to say <laughs> that the script has been flipped and the only one in Titan Power who knows that is Paul Levesque. So I'm going to ask you a question on your own show, Dave. I got a DM today while recording my podcast, The State of Combat on CBS Sports, from this brother named Tommy Takeover at Tommy Wrestling, whatever, some dude. And it's like, are we in a critical mass period for NXT, for at WWE proper? Entering the Fox deal, entering such an important time in the, in the timeline here, where it's not just a trendy thing to say NXT is better, or NXT is the best wrestling in the world. It's now to the point where it's blowing Raw SmackDown stores in. And it can't just be for the crazy marks to watch too much wrestling. I think if you take that product, if you put it on Friday nights on Fox, I mean, I think both things can be true, right? I mean, I think that, I mean, and listen, we're, we're not going to break down the entire NXT TakeOver card, but suffice to say that every match there could be a 20-minute conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that, I think that Fox is going to have to walk a fine line. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's going to be, I, I don't think we're going to know, I mean, there's no right answer for them this far out, right? I mean, we're, it's going to be a little bit of, of figured out as they go along. But I agree. I mean, they got to run some. I mean, they have to. They have to be. I think they have to somehow be both retro in the sense that you know new eyeballs are going to have a certain expectation, or or lapsed fans have a certain expectation, and they also have to be cutting edge because they got to you know they got to talk you into into watching on Friday nights if you're if you're not already a wrestling fan, and even if you are, you know they got to talk you into watching live and not just on Saturday mid morning when you wake up and turn on your DVR or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to get 
it's it's hard to to know what to expect. Um, but you know, it, it's a it, it'll. Well, definitely... I think you have to ask yourself: is this a is this a booking slump, a two three month booking slump, or is this a major turning point in the same way that ninety three ninety four WWF was a turning point? Wrestling fans in droves, in large numbers, were saying, "Look, the only wrestling that seems to matter right now is WWF." And I don't like this style anymore. I don't want to yeah. see a, a a plumber and a dumpster guy and this other dude. I, you know, I want something different. That's something different. Turned out to be take the washed up WWF stars, put them on WCW Nitro, let them use their real names, and just kind of cut gangster promos on each other. And it was great. Are we at that point again? Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like we are. And and you know, part of the story that never really gets told because WWE is telling the story. I I don't know it. I mean, I'd be interested. Is is what was the what was the vibe like in the what was the creative vibe like, you know, for the creative team in the months before they started, you know, kind of the attitude era or they started fighting back, they started letting Russo take some of the reins, all that kind of stuff. Because right now, and I think part of this is just coming off the Moxley interview on, on Talk is Jericho, it just feels a little bit hopeless. Like, it's like more than ever, WWE is able to listen to the fans, right? Between social media and well, mostly just social media, but but also you know there's a million podcasts out there, and and they know you know they 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 know how they they I guess the, it, we should I should say the live crowds, especially the live TV crowds, have more of a specific voice, have more of a unified voice than maybe they had in decades past. Um, they can listen to the fans more clearly than ever, but it seems like the reaction is not, oh, you know. They're really, they're really responding to Becky Lynch. Let's let's figure out how to book her into the biggest possible moment at WrestleMania. It's sort of like whatever the fans want. There's a little bit of like pushing back against it. And even if they actually go through with the what the fans want, they have to rebook it in such a way that they feel good that it's that it, that it was their plan, that it was their idea, and they're doing it the wrong yeah. way. Even if it's to the detriment of the storyline. And then you have guys like, you know, Sami Zayn, who I love and actually love the gimmick coming out. But it's clear that this is this is part of the Dean, this is, you know, Dean Ambrose gimmick recycled for him. That's just Vince McMahon talking shit to the fans, or at least that's how it's, you know, how a lot of people are reading it. And I, and I am, I certainly am. And it just feels like instead of doing like, you don't have, in, instead of doing pro wrestling in the way that it's always been done and the way that it should be done, which is an interactive symbiotic process with the fans. It seems like they're just like, uh, they're just like at odds with the fans and that's what the most bizarre thing of it all is like you don't have to like wwe doesn't like doesn't have to make the main roster look like 205 live or look like an evolve show or, or you know pwg or whatever but you got but like it, you have to listen to the fans at some point right i mean it's not i'm not i'm not asking for a specific thing i'm just asking for more yeah like symbiosis right that was beautiful, Dave. You just broke, I mean, no surprise, you're, you're the mass man, but you just broke that down at its most meta and deepest and almost romantic core. I loved it. You didn't even raise your voice at all. I mean, like, this is the, this is the third boom period in wrestling. This is the golden era of indies taking over. This might be the golden era of podcasts. GP just went to the shoot era last week. Brother, we're having an adult conversation <laughs> right now about pro wrestling. I think you just nailed it. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I'm going to let you go because you have to catch an airplane in case we didn't make that clear enough. You're sitting in a air, sitting at the airport on the phone right now, and I really appreciate you calling in. Um, before I let you go, there's something really important I got to ask you. Goldberg versus The Undertaker at Super Showdown. Uh, how long will this match be? Uh, until... Bell to bell. Uh, how long will it take for Goldberg to snap 
Mark Calloway at 53 and a half? That's really the question because he's always been sort of a sloppy worker with those vicious spears. Um, Dave, I couldn't care less. I tweeted out a great photo of Toronto Raptors' Akeem Olajuwon guarding Orlando Magic Patrick Ewing in a post-up situation. I'm almost more upset that this match is getting trotted out shortly after they woke Shawn Michaels out of retirement at the last Saudi showdown and let him come out there and wrestle balls than I am that they're even um, keeping people off of that card for social and negative reasons. What a crock. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. That's a hot take. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, whatever. And we're going to see maybe Brock Lesnar will be cashing in. That's at least the story they were trying to tell. Do you have any, do you have any predictions on that front, or is this just another placeholder for, to get people to watch on Friday? Well, I have to spin it back on you before I miss the flight and, and ask you, was, that the, was the turning point on terms of being insulted as a wrestling fan this Monday when Brock chose not to cash in a decapitated champion in front of him so he could say, hold on a second. We'll do it Friday after I get on a 20-hour flight and I can let this guy in front of me heal up from his wounds and then I'll do it again on Friday. What the hell is going on here, Dave? I don't know. None of it makes any sense. We'll talk more about it. Brian, thank you so much for doing this. I will talk to you again soon. Have a great, safe flight and, uh, and we'll talk to you on the other side. I love it, Dave. And by the way, WCW, Miss Elizabeth, way hotter than the WWF version. No one ever talks about it. Great talking to you, Dave. <laughs> All right, thanks to Brian Campbell. Thanks to Kaz. Before we get out of here, Jim, you there? Yes. We are obligated to do, uh, not obligated, we are not secretly getting paid by WWE, but we, but we need to, for all those diehard WWE fans who listen to this, who've been writing me and complaining that we're not WWE-centric enough for the past week and now two weeks, we got Super Showdown this week, and, well, it's Friday, whatever, week or weekend, I'm not sure how you would categorize that. And uh, and we got a bunch of dream matches, dream matches on this card that is of equal or greater value than I don't I forgot what the line is that Michael Cole keeps using. But it's basically like the, you know, like the greater than and less than than signs. It's like the it's the greater than with the equals underneath sign. That's how mm. this stacks up. To greater than or equal to. Yeah. Greater than or equal to WrestleMania there you go. is is the Super Showdown. Why don't you tell me what matches are on? And I'll tell you who's going to win. Okay. First up, Lars Sullivan versus Lucha House Party in a three-on-one handicap match. Um, I mean, it's going to be Lars. The Lucha, Lucha's got their good look this week. I think that's all you really need to know. Lars Sullivan's going to demolish them. I like Lucha. Are you being serious? No. Okay. All right. Next up, Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon in a singles match. Oh man! I mean, this is another. This is one of those weird ones where Roman's already teasing his stomping ground. We'll call it stamping ground, and out of respect to you and George Carlin, Jim. Yep. yep. His stamping ground match against Drew McIntyre, which is a WrestleMania match. I mean, listen, Kenny Herzog wrote a piece for the Ringer about Shane last week, and talking about how he's just exasperated with his constant presence. I get it. I guess he's one of the few kind of Attitude Era holdovers, and that's who's like hot in Saudi Arabia. Um. But it is weird that he's like, like the top heel in the company. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think that my guess is that Shane McMahon finds a way to win through duplicitous means with Drew McIntyre or, or you know, Elias or whoever else or the the revival helping him out. All right. I don't know. Is Roman Reigns big in Saudi Arabia? It's hard. He's big everywhere he goes. He's the I big guess. dog. Yeah. I'll go with Roman. I guess. 
I mean, here's the thing: Roman should win every match. Here's the thing: is that they they bring. I mean, they go to Saudi Arabia, and it's always either like guys from the ninety. I mean, guys from the Attitude Era, or guys doing like Attitude, like recognizable gimmicks. And Roman Reigns is a very like you see him and you understand immediately, right? I mean, so it's I I have yeah yeah. Anyway, I don't understand it. I actually don't like him, but out of spite, I pull for him. All right. Um, Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley in a singles match. Oh, God. Just Braun Strowman. Let's move on. <laughs> Finn Balor versus Andrade. It's funny. I was like... IC I, title. I was, I was watching their match or a second of their match from Tuesday and I was just like, of all the people who aren't going to Saudi Arabia, I can't believe Finn Balor's going. And then I Googled it and realized that I totally forgot that like he took a bunch of shit for going last year after he like had the big like, you know pride moment at WrestleMania and then he went to Saudi Arabia where, you know, they were at least on the books. It's like, you know, being gay is punishable by death. Right. Um, but whatever. We're well, not going to get... We're but not, he didn't they, wear those tights. No, I know. I know. But like, so, but anyway. I got you. It's all sort of... A, I mean, I'm, you shouldn't put everything on Finn Balor just because he is like actively inclusive. Right. It's a weird situation. But anyway, Finn Balor versus Andrade. They've already announced that the demon is going to be there. This is actually... This makes me more mad than them wasting Undertaker matches or Goldberg matches or, you know, whatever, triple like them just kind of making this like silly house show seem like the biggest thing of all time and throwing all this stuff away. The Them like wasting the demon is actually the one thing that gets my freaking Mark hackles up. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I think you got to protect the demon at all costs and Finn's going to win. Okay. I'll go with Andrade. Death to the demon. Nice. All right. Um, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Although they did say that they did say that uh, that Natalia and who Alexa Bliss are on the trip. Now I don't know how they. I don't think they're going to pull a surprise women's match. But yeah, come on. Yeah, they win the battle royal. There'll be riots. Um, let's see. Kofi versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship. I mean, it has to be Kofi. Dolph isn't the guy. Although I do, as I was discussing with Kaz, I do think there's an outside chance for Brock. I mean, the only thing that makes logical sense for Brock not pinning Seth on Monday is that he was he decided he wants to be on SmackDown. Mm -hmm. Now, probably they'll just have him cash in on Seth Rollins after the Baron Corbin match or Baron Corbin or whatever. But there's, I think there is that chance. But I, I think if if it's a straight match, it would be crazy to pull the title off Kofi Kingston after a three-week feud with Dolph Ziggler, even though I love what Dolph is doing, and I and I hope that they really keep him on top after, you know, Jed is over with. Okay. So Kofi's the pick. So then you mentioned Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin. Who do you think wins that for the Universal Championship? I mean, anything's possible. I mean, obviously, not obviously, the strong likelihood is that Brock Lesnar is going to play a big part in whatever happens here. I do think there's some value in if it's gonna if the title is gonna end up on Brock Lesnar at the end of the show. I can understand there's there might be some value in having Baron Corbin win because Seth's all beat up and he whatever and and then Brock cashes in on Corbin so that Corbin can then go around and say he's the former WWE Universal Champion without like the onus of actually having to be champion and you know whatever that the the inevitable failure of that. So Baron Corbin, you think is going to win, and then Brock cash in. <sighs> No, I mean, I think Seth Rollins is going to win. Mm -hmm. And if I have to pick this match, I don't know how you pick this match. If I have to pick, I think it's Seth Rollins. But I think probably Brock Lesnar emerges with the title. But who knows? 
what I was going to ask is, what is that called when you're like they don't want to drop the title from Seth Rollins? They don't want him to drop. Oh, he's to a Brock transitional Robert, champion. A transitional champion. Yeah, I could yeah. see Baron Corbin. I don't know the transitional championship. Transitional I don't champion. know that that matters a lot. Although for storytelling purposes, you could have Seth Rollins be like, "I never lost to you." Let's yeah. fight at SummerSlam or whatever. Right. Or at Stamping Grounds. Right. Whatever you want. Speaking of, didn't Seth take the title from Brock by cashing in, giving him a Stamping Grounds to the back of the head? Yes, that is indeed where you go. All right, next up, we have Goldberg versus The Undertaker in a singles match. Jesus. Um, I think this has to be Undertaker, and it'll be very brief, whatever happens. I mean, let's think. I mean, Goldberg will spear him. The Undertaker will do the sit-up and then the tombstone, and that'll be it. That's that's my guess. I don't think there's any way Goldberg is allowed to jackhammer the Undertaker. I don't think he's going to be allowed to spear him. with. It. Doesn't he have bad hips, the Undertaker? Or is it bad knees? No, you can do. There's a lot of. You can make this, the spear pretty easy, I think. Mm, I mean, I who knows? Goldberg at his age and whatever it can. But anyway. All right. My guess is Undertaker. Uh, Fifty Man Battle Royal. You want to just pick somebody? Yes, I think. Um, I think. Uh, um, Bob. I think. Uh, Bob Backlund. Robert, no, I was going to say Robert. <laughs> Robert Roode. It'll probably somebody. It'll probably be some throwback, right? Gobbly Gooker. Yeah, exactly. Um, who knows? Bray Wyatt. Oh, that wouldn't be bad. I like that. All right, and in the main event, Triple is this H. Really the main event, or is it- I don't know. It's just the top of the Wikipedia. Uh, Triple H versus Randy Orton in a singles match. Listen, I appreciate that they're having these just straight up singles matches. Not everything's some gimmick. Uh, Triple H versus Randy Orton. Uh, I guess Orton wins. He has more at stake right now, and they can just refresh Triple H whenever it's necessary to. I mean, this this is another one where it's like, I'm not mad, so mad that this is happening, but it is like. You know, this could have been a good match for another show that I cared more about. But anyway. Ten years ago. Uh, even now. I mean, this is way past its prime, but like, both these guys can still go. Sure. Anyway, that's it for Super Showdown. Next, we have Stamping Grounds coming up in... I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I love that Stamping Grounds is catching on. Why am I saying Stamping Grounds again? <laughs> so I told you before the show, George Carlin said it's Stamping, not Stomping Grounds. It's Stamping Grounds. Mm-hmm. Originally, it's based on elephants, like stamping their feet, remembering these places. And then just people screwed it all up like they do with every saying. It's actually stamping grounds, and now it's stuck in your head, and it's wonderful. That's great. Well, stamping grounds, judging by a quick Google search, it appears that stamping does predate stomping and stomping grounds. Anyway, uh, the usage, anyway. Um, You're welcome. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Jim, thank you for hanging out with me. Thanks to Kaz. Thanks to Brian Campbell. Thanks to uh, all of you for. Do I already say thanks to all of you for listening? Nah, but can I don't we, really care that Can much. we plug a special development in our podcast lives? Is our podcast pregnant? Uh, our podcast just had a baby into two podcasts a week. The oh, press box. Oh, my other life. If you like <laughs> yeah. me, if you like media and sports and politics, you probably know that I have another podcast called The Press Box. With Brian Curtis, my dear, dear old friend, also a Laps Wrestling fan who we will get on this show soon to, to uh, hype up the press box a little bit. But the press box is in, in just because it's everything's going so well and in the run up to this thing called the American presidential election. Um, we're now doing two episodes a week, one every Tuesday morning and Friday morning. 
And the Channel 33 feed has become the press box feed. We own that feed now. We took it over. Um, so all of you have been tweeting me, when are you going to get your own feed for that one? The answer is, it already happened, and you didn't even notice. We got it. We got it. We did it. I feel like I've really, it's like winning the Universal Championship for me. Yeah. Um, and we, and I'm think, heel manager we won a loser. Scenes. We won the loser leaves town match against jam session and <laughs> they've had to go and start their own feed called, uh, <laughs> ringer dish ringer dish. So check that out. Check that out. Listen to it. Give it a shot. Also check me out in Tom Gunn live in San Diego, Saturday, June 22nd and in Ooh. Los Angeles, Saturday, June 29th. It's a great show. Everybody should, should check it out. If you're there. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks once again to Brian Campbell and to Kaz. Apologies, as always, to the new IWGP US champion, John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, Humanoids. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 